Are you living up to your peak season potential? Well, you're gonna learn how to do that on today's show. This week, we're going to continue with our Seizing the Summer series. Today, we have Mr. Drew Cameron. We're going to be talking about driving peak season potential, right? Just because the opportunity is there doesn't mean everybody takes advantage of it. Drew Cameron is going to teach you how to make sure you capitalize on the opportunity. Hey, everybody. Drew Cameron back for another episode of the EJIA Seizing the Summer series. We're going to continue our conversation. This is part three of the sales leadership topic. And specifically, we're going to talk about driving peak season potential through the rush, the flush, and the crush of summer. We know you tend to experience that. You get overloaded a little bit sometimes. It's a good problem to have, but sometimes you're not sure how to handle it or how to best handle it, best take care of your people, best take care of your customers. So let's talk a little bit about that today. Now what I'm going to share with you first is a few slides that I will provide the content for. I'm going to actually uh, provide EJIA PDFs of this process for the service, uh, service priority scheduling, as well as the sales priority scheduling. And so make sure that you download those so you have all the detail, because I'm not going to spend a lot of time on each one of the slides, but you'll get the idea, which then is going to set us up for a conversation over at the whiteboard. So let's go ahead and talk about service priority scheduling first. Now this is something that you can do year round, and you should, because on any given day, whether it be the, you know, the spring, summer, winter, or fall, you could get overwhelmed and you get super busy and you need to manage your dispatch board and you manage those service opportunities so you get the right people onto the right opportunities and you are servicing the right opportunities. You're making sure you're taking care of your customers to the best of your ability and you're managing that workload to optimize the workload so that you get the best results from it. It wouldn't make sense to go ahead and run, on the busiest day of the year, run a service call on a brand new system that you didn't install when you have a service call on a 15-year-old air conditioner for a, a current customer. So you've got to prioritize that schedule. So that's what we're talking about. So let's go through a couple of the slides here and uh, get an overview of what we're talking about on the content for scheduling service priority. Okay, same day. So the same day customer is somebody where it's a warranty service opportunity. You've been out on the service uh, on the call before and it is either a workmanship issue that they're getting called back for a demand repair issue or it's a maintenance issue. You caused the problem so you need to go back and take care of it and you want to assess the customer urgency. And so while it's somebody that we should get back to right away, if the customer's just calling us to let us know but they're not urgent about it, then we don't necessarily need to go. Uh, number two, warranty install. Again, if you installed it and it's the workmanship, the craftsmanship, or it's brand new equipment failure, again, you need to probably go right away but again, assess the customer's urgency for getting it onto the schedule. They may just be calling to get onto the schedule knowing that you're busy, but they're also maybe going away, or they are away. Uh, you have a callback uh, on an existing customer that you serviced recently. And again, somebody that you should get back to very quickly, but if the customer's saying wait, so forth and so on, you can wait. Service agreement customer with an emergency, meaning they are one of your partners, okay, they have a fiduciary responsibility and relationship to you through the service agreement program, you need to probably get to them as quickly as you have, uh, possibly can because they've got an emergency. Again, as always, assess the customer urgency and schedule accordingly. So that's same-day service. And then in addition to that, if the call is in response to a radius marketing piece that you put out there, a door hanger, uh, a post-it on a, uh, on a house or a mailbox, a job sign or a referral, again, they're going to be high-priority people. Why? Because they're calling saying, I've read about you, I know about you, I like you. 
and I'm interested in using you, but again, assess the priority of the customer and then schedule accordingly. Then air conditioning and heat pumps that are older than 15 years, uh, 15 years old and the equipment's not functioning. Furnaces that are older than 20 years, again, you don't have to necessarily worry about those during the summer, but you get the idea during the winter, it would just kind of flip over to those. And that's again where the equipment's not working. For those of you that do plumbing and maybe generators, you could also look at water heaters and generators accordingly as well. And then if you happen to have an available technician, then go ahead and send them the same day if you want. Uh, but it also may be something where you need a specific technician who has a certain set of special skills. Maybe it's uh, inverter systems or chiller systems if it's a commercial job or it's a geothermal heat pump. And so you may have to, again, wait until you have the next available technician. But those are going to be how you schedule your priorities for your service customers on the same day. And we then go to uh, what I'll call same day or next day. That's level two customers. And we have a, a series of options there of, of customers that we have the service agreement customer with non-emergency or a non-service agreement customer with an emergency. And then we get direct response marketing uh, you know, where they actually re are responding to something that we put out into the marketing campaign world and they're responding to that. Again, if I can get out there same day, you know, I will. And then again, I'll, I'll prioritize as well based on the age of the equipment. And if they've got no gas, no water, something going on there, sewer systems pulling back uh, fumes through the house, you can see where we're kind of prioritizing the, the situation based on the severity of the situation in the customer's life. And then we get into what is, you know, I'll call the, the next day or multiple days thereafter. Again, this is going to vary based on your backlog, based on your dispatch board. And so if you get super busy, you could start to push these customers out three days or more. And these are customers that are non-service agreement customers with a non-emergency. There are uh, new customers with an emergency or a, with a non-emergency or a response to another marketing uh, piece. So you've never done business with them before, so they don't have a relationship. And why do I say that? Because I want to make sure I'm taking care of the people who are our service agreement customers. I want to make sure I'm taking care of the people who are our warranty customers, uh, or we've done an installation or something of that nature. They're, they're under the service agreement program. We have that relationship. It doesn't make sense to go out and try and take care of somebody new when I may upset my existing customer base. And so that's how I've set up this priority. Number one, to take advantage of the opportunity to best serve the customer and then take advantage of not also damaging our reputation with our existing base or making promises to new customers that I eventually can't even get to. So if you push them out a little bit further and then you pull them back in, maybe as you, as you work off that back load a little bit quicker than you had expected, well then to them, they may have gone out and gotten service elsewhere because they got told to wait, that's okay. Your job is not to run every service call that calls into your office every day. That would be great to do if we had the manpower to do it, but you have to manage the, uh, the demand with the people that you have as well as making sure that you're taking care of the customers based on the level of customer that they are to you. And a lot of contractors focus on just answering every sales call, every service call, and trying to send somebody out and squeeze in more opportunity within one day. And they end up shortchanging the opportunity. The level of service shouldn't change based on the time of year. You can't go taking shortcuts and compromising your processes and principles just because you got busier. That tells you that you need more manpower. You should have ramped up. You need to train more people, hire more people and then train those people. And better manage the workflow. 
that are allocate the manpower, if you will. So uh, that's basically a kind of an overview of the service side of things. We also have some customers after we get beyond the, the three-day uh, service window, we get into what we call the no-service customers. And so I have a list of those uh, on the documents that you'll get as well. And that might be uh, scopes of work that you just choose not to do, mobile homes or manufactured homes, or when uh, no one is going to be home who's over the age of 18. You can't go on that. that. Maybe home warranty, unless the customer's paying cash. Uh, somebody who wants to get an opinion for litigation. Uh, they're thinking about selling the home. They're thinking about buying the home. There doesn't be sense to, uh, tend to be that sense of urgency there. So again, you can see the opportunities there on the what I call no service list, or you could service as you see fit and as your manpower allows. And then you could also think about upgrading the priority of the schedule. So all of a sudden you may have a customer who gets booked, but there's a shift in the weather, there's a shift in the schedule for some reason, and now you can go ahead and reassess the current situation that you've got and possibly upgrade somebody's priority. Because just because just because they get onto the schedule doesn't mean that's where they stay. You, you may push people out and you may pull people back based on priority, based on demand, so forth and so on. And so that's the service call priority scheduling document that you're going to get in the downloads. And then I also have for you the sales priority uh, scheduling piece. And what this is, is again, now this is on sales leads. This is where you have an opportunity on the incoming side of the sales lead opportunity where you may get very booked for your salespeople, your comfort advisors. And for those of you who have uh, selling technicians, again, you may have to apply this to the selling technician model as well. But for you home comfort experts, home environmental experts, uh, comfort advisors, whatever you call yourselves, this is going to be where you allocate the opportunities based on the schedule and the demand there as well. And exact same layout as the service priority scheduling. Again, we just changed the term service call for leads based on the priority. So for example, as soon as possible, what I call hot prospects, which are going to be same day, but they're also going to be as quickly as you possibly can. It's a service agreement customer who has an emergency. It's a technician generated lead where the customer is looking to make a decision right away. It's an employee generated lead where the, again, the person, the employee is saying that the person that they, they've generated the lead for is a hot prospect. It's a self-generated lead, meaning I, the salesperson or the comfort advisor, I've created that opportunity and I sense the prospect is a hot prospect ready to make a buying decision. And then maybe it's a follow-up prospect, you know, calling on, on our previous quote that we've already given them, or it's an ongoing install. Maybe it's a job I've got already got started and the customer decided to expand the scope of work but in order to do that, we've got to get back out to that call. So you want to make sure that you take care of the customers uh, that you're already servicing and installing as well. And then if they've called in, in regards to a marketing piece, radius marketing, door hanger, post-it, job sign, or referral, again, get out to those people as quickly as possible. And then, of course, you got your prospects with or without a competitive quote, and they're looking to make a decision. They tell you that on the phone. They tell your sales coordinator that. Uh, somebody who's got an air conditioning or a heat pump system that's older than 15 years old and the equipment's not working, that's a no-cool situation. Obviously, during the winter, you'd flip that into a no-heat situation with furnaces over 20 years old and the furnace not working. you got a down water heater, so forth and so on. And, if you've, of course, if you've got people available, they can go right away as well. And then we have what I call warm prospects that, that drops them down a level. I will get to them as I'm available. They're not maybe a hot prospect ready to make a buying decision immediately. They tell you that, in fact, on the phone. So no need to, just because you have an opening on the schedule, to go ahead and, 
and push somebody in there. You may think about pushing a warm prospect back a couple of days because if you're in a bit, uh, the midst of your busy season, you might need to leave a, a few spots uh, in the openings, if you will, so that customers who do call in can go ahead into those slots. So say, for example, a warm prospect calls in today and you've got a slot open on Thursday at 3 o'clock. Well, and you know you're going to have a salesperson in the area. Well, I might push that customer out to next week and then maybe pull them forward and leave that Thursday 3 o'clock slot for somebody that's a hot prospect or a technician lead that comes in. So think about, again, allocating your manpower as you can and as would be conducive to best serving things that might be coming in the door. Don't just react to what you got. Think about how things might be flowing. Because if, if you look at the weather and you see in the next couple of days it's going to get hot, you know you're probably going to get busy. And so you might want to have a little bit of flexibility in your schedule. And then we go from the warm prospects into the cool prospects. Not so hot, not warm, right? Kind of maybe thinking about doing something at some point. But there is no sense of urgency there. Again, they're a lesser priority. And that's obviously going to be newer equipment too. Uh, it's not as high, as high a priority for us. And then we get back to the no service customers and then the ability also to upgrade the priority of the customer based on the way your schedule flows. Again, things may uh, you know, change on the schedule you know, by the minute, by the day, because you get a no-show, you get a cancellation, and you adapt, adjust, and execute accordingly. So that being said, let's go over to the, to the whiteboard and take a look at what else can we do when we get busy this summer. So talking about driving the peak season potential, to what I call the rush, the flush, and the crush of summer. So what do I mean by the rush, the crush, and the flush of summer? So the rush is you've all of a sudden, we've come out of the spring, weather's heating up, and you get the rush of the demand of the people and the service calls, right? And so people are all of a sudden, they're going nuts, they're going crazy, they want to do something, they put this thing off, and now all of a sudden they got to do something. You get that first hot spell, that heat wave, and it crushes the equipment and the demand just goes through the roof, both on the service side as well as on the sales side. So again, how are we gonna handle that? On the front side, obviously the calls are coming in. The, the website forms are coming in. We need to respond to those accordingly, and that's what that, that service and sales priority scheduling does for you, is it gives you the ability on the call taking side to handle this, and the dispatch side. And so we, we're talking about repair and replacement. We're not talking about the tune-ups. When you get busy, you have to kind of push the tune-ups to the side. You may still owe customers tune-ups, but you may have to push those to a side, uh, side to take care of those people with no heating and no cooling in your peak seasons. Right now we're talking obviously about the peak heating, the peak season of summer and of course it's a cooling season. So the rush is people are going nuts and calling you, the demand is increasing, service calls, leads, so forth and so on. You've got to handle that rush and an influx of customers, right? You're now, because you're now flush with opportunity. You might even be flush with business. And so I got opportunities on running those service calls, but I also get opportunities on running those leads, which translates into business, which may translate into a backlog. And so I have to manage the, the flush, being flush with opportunity and handling. It's a good problem to have, but you know, what card should I be playing? And then crush. We don't want to get crushed. It's never good to get crushed. So we have to manage the schedule adapt, adjust, and execute. This is going to happen. Act as if it's going to happen. Know what's going to happen. Go into the season with a plan. Go in by design, not by default. Because if you go in, in by, de by default and then you get crushed, 
again, it's not that you just missed out on opportunities in business. What does it do to your reputation? Think about this. Today, everybody is an author. Everybody is a critic because of social media. They can go out there and they can crucify you on social media. They can also crucify you in a review, on a review site. And some of those things you, you just can't get rid of. So be careful about what it does to your reputation. You don't want to crush your good name. You want to make sure that you flow through these, that these opportunities and the business that you create out of those opportunities flows through. It's the output that matters. It's not the input. It's not the, the getting of the calls and the, the demand. But what experience did you give me as a consumer when you came out to take care of me? If you tried to rush through it and tried to run 10 service calls in a day, you, you didn't take care of me. You didn't let me know what were all of my options and my opportunities. You didn't bundle repairs and give me multiple solutions. You didn't possibly convert me over to considering replacement. You didn't think about the add-on sales because you thought about task completion, running every service call. That is not your job. Your job is to give world-class customer service. That's how you build your business. That's how you build your name and reputation over the long haul. You don't go out and just try and service everybody because you, when you try to be all things to all people, don't be surprised when you open up your business one day and you're nothing to anyone because of bad reviews and a bad reputation. Because of the hole in the bucket that you created, you self-inflicted by trying to service everybody. You can't unless you go ahead and staff accordingly, which you should have done before the crush of the season. And we're not here to talk about that because you're in season now and you need to take care of this. So it's the flow through. It's the output of the input that you optimize for. So plan as if this is going to happen. And what will we do when it happens? Not if it happens, but when it happens. And plan as if it's going to happen. Act as if and so shall you be. Because when you build the model for that, you build the machine for this, okay, you now understand, okay, well, in lean times, we, maybe we have, over, we have overcapacity. We can handle everything. And that's great. But when it gets you know, super busy and the rush and the flux show up, you don't want the crush to show up because that's just not good for you or the customer. So what happens is you got to manage the backlog. Now I'm going to focus a little bit on the installs more so than service because that's obviously what we're talking about here is driving the rush and the crush through the sales department. I talked about sales leadership. I wasn't talking about service leadership. But I'll give you a couple ideas on the service board as well uh, that you can apply to what you're doing in your business. So managing the backlog. My dad always told me and my sales team, catch the damn fish. Okay? You worry about catching the fish, I'll worry about filleting and grilling. That's what my dad said to us back then. Now what did that mean? He said, nobody eats if the damn fish isn't on the boat. So catch the fish. The guys were running out, uh, sales guys were running out and telling customers, when a customer say, would say something along the lines of, well, let's pretend we go with you. Let's suppose we go with you. I imagine this is your busy season. You probably got a backlog, don't you? And the sales guys were saying, yeah, we're about three weeks backlog. We're about four weeks backlog. Well, they created, a, they created their own objection with the customer. And the customer ended up not buying from us because they pushed an objection out there that wasn't really an objection. Because according to my dad, his job was, where it was to flay and grill. Our job was to get it so they could make it to the grill. And he said, I'll get the work done. Just get the fish on the boat. And so that has, clearly has stuck with me for quite some time. Uh, I, I heard that in the early 90s, and I tell my clients that today. Catch the fish. Because once we get it on the boat, once the customer has made the commitment to us, 
If I've got to adapt, adjust, and execute the install schedule to accommodate this customer, then that's on me. That's on operations. Sales job is to catch the fish. Operations job is to get the job done. Your sales job is really to break the operational machine, if you really think about it, overwhelm the capacity of the uh, installation operations to the point where they need to get more, uh, more installers. They need to reimagine how they're handling the workload because that's what a good sales department does. That gives, it, it creates the need for more installers, new ways of doing the work. And you don't have to figure out those new ways. I saw a, a Facebook post yesterday by an EGI member on, a, on, a, on one of the HVAC Facebook groups out there, and he was asking, how can we get these jobs all done in one day? I see other companies get them done in one day, and he was asking the masses of the, the Facebook following. And it was a great question. And, and I, of course, gave him an answer, as did uh, many other people. But the place that the answer should come from is from the team. Now, the, it's, it's great to have all those resources in his hip pocket that he could now have that meeting with his install team, but what he needs to do is go back to the install team and says, hey guys, we can only get half as many jobs done because we're taking twice as long. Let's imagine that the objective is get all jobs done in one day. How could we do that? And help get the team to think about how, how you could do that. How could you skin that cat and reimagine the workload and the workflow of things? Maybe you have to have new tools. Maybe you have new processes and procedures. Maybe you've got to you know, layer in some technology. Reimagine the deployment of the workforce. And that's what I want to talk to you about here. All right? But the way you do this is to work with your team. Your team can help you solve all the problems that you have. So managing the backlog was exactly what my dad said. He said, get the sale. I'll worry about the schedule. And so that's what a good sales team does, is it keeps fishing, keeps catching fish. Right? Don't short time, the, uh, don't short change uh, the time invested on a sales call. Again, every customer deserves a world-class experience. Just because you get busy doesn't mean you start running four to six leads a day. As I said in an earlier episode, you want to run no more than three leads. I, I optimize for one and a half. One some days, two other days. Because with the go-backs, some two-call closes, and yes, you need to have some two-call closes still during the summer. You will encounter some people that are not in an urgent mind frame to make a decision just because you're out there, just because you have an opening on your board, just because you've got you know, 10 leads on the board and you're super busy. So you have to go ahead and serve the customer the way they need to be served. Don't just react to the schedule. Respond to the customer's needs. That shouldn't change just because you got busy. Contractors seem to go ahead and seem to think that everything goes to hell when you get busy and you start shortchanging the process, you short, short, shortchanging the customer. And, and you end up with a bad experience for the customer who can then give you a bad review or a bad reputation. Just even through word of mouth they can do that. So don't short the time invested on a sales call number one, or a service call for that matter um, there. Also, don't short the scope of work. I know a lot of contractors out there, they, they, they become box swappers during the summer. They'll go ahead and put a condensing unit in instead of changing out the line set and the pad and the disconnect and the indoor coil because they just want to sell the outdoor unit. They want to sell boxes. Your job is to solve problems and take care of customers and give the customers the best possible outcome. So don't short the scope. You may have to do a partial install, so maybe you restore cooling. Maybe you get out there and you get the air conditioning working, but you were going to have you, you actually also sold the customer a complete duct uh, change out or uh, duct modifications. 
And maybe because you're so busy, maybe you make it a deal with the customer where you don't do that work right now. You do a partial install, restore cooling, and then go back and do the duct work when you can. And I mean, I'd like to do all the work all at once, but you do a partial install to restore the cooling, but don't shortchange the scope of work. Because you know as well as I do, if you put a variable speed system on a, on a non-variable speed duct system, one that you inherited that was installed 30, 40 years ago, uh, you're, you're just going to waste energy more efficiently and you're going to choke off the performance of that fan and you're going to shorten the life of that equipment. And the customer's utility bills are going to be elevated as a result of it. They're not probably going to know. They're also not going to be as comfortable as they could and should be. And the system may not be as quiet as it could and should be. And like I said, you're going to shorten the life of it. They're going to ex uh, experience uh, um, repairs prematurely or, and probably you shouldn't even uh, experience those repairs. Or they're also going to experience a failed system prematurely. So you have to educate the customer about the value. A lot of guys say, well, if I sell it and then they don't do it, you know, or I don't do it right now because you're doing a partial install, well, then they're going to say, well, you restored cooling. You know what? Just skip the $3,000 worth of ductwork. Well, again, that's a sales function. If you, if you taught a customer how to buy and where value comes from, I've never had a customer cancel the scope of work. But I also try and not get into a situation where I'm doing the partial install. I want to do as many complete installs as I possibly can. What I'm doing here on this video is giving you some ideas if you have to reimagine re the way you do the work to get the work done and never lose a customer. Always catch the fish. Right? You could pre-sell and pre-book for the fall a job that you run now and, and lock it in with a payment. Meaning, I go out and I sell the customer system now. Maybe I'm going to, on the East Coast, I'm going to go do a full cut-in. Right? It's a house that's got wet heat. It's got a boiler with a radiator or baseboard, and they want to add a complete duct system. But I don't want to put my guys in the attic during the summer and have to pay them sweat pay. So maybe you do something along the lines of, listen, Bill and Susan, we can go ahead and take care of this, lock you in now, and if you're willing to, I can put in some temporary air conditioning for you to get you cool for the summer. I can also give you a discount if you lock in with a payment, and we do the job in September rather than now. And I'll incentivize them to, to wait. And so I'm going to pre-sell the job, I'm going to pre-book it for the fall, maybe incentivize the customer if I have to, but I'm also going to lock them in with a payment, with a deposit, right? Now, granted, if they want to cancel, they certainly could cancel, but I've restored cooling or given them cooling if it was in a house that didn't have cooling at all, but I've restored cooling to buy myself some time. So temporary units, portable window, uh, window units and portable units are great. You could also have some condensing units that you temporarily install a condensing unit to, uh, if you had a failed compressor, for example. Maybe you go put in a, a, a temporary condensing unit just to restore cooling temporarily for a customer instead of window units or portable units. But I would paint those like some heinous, hideous color so that the customers don't want to keep it outside their house beyond this temporary uh, point of time. And anything that you loan to a customer or rent to a customer is exactly that. It's a loaner. It's free. They sign a rental agreement that if they don't return it, they owe you for that. And that holds true with window units, portable units, as well as the uh, outside heinous condensing unit that you install. Right? You could also incentivize customers, as I said, uh, and this works really well with lottery, uh, with service customers, rather, excuse me, is lottery tickets. Meaning, if the customer is willing to wait, or I have, I have to reschedule a service call or a maintenance call or an install or something like that, and they're taking a chance on me, they're giving me another chance as a company, well, you know what, I'm going to thank them for giving, a you know, giving me another chance by giving them a chance. 
and giving them a chance on a scratch-off or something like that. Uh, send them 5 or $10 worth of scratch-offs and send them a nice little letter saying thank you. They don't know that it's coming. They were willing to wait. They were willing to reschedule. And then you just send this in the mail with a nice little letter saying thank you for taking a chance and giving us another chance. We wanted to give you a chance. And of course, you know, who knows? Maybe they win a couple bucks. Maybe they win a few hundred dollars. We've had some customers win some money. The neat thing about it is, is scratch-offs are almost endless. You get one, you scratch it off, you probably win a buck or two, and then you go buy some more scratch-offs. So it can be almost an endless process for a customer to eventually win something. You could also incentivize customers with a discount. Maybe you give them 10% to 15% off. Yes, I understand it's peak season. You don't need to discount. But this is a customer that you're willing to pre-book for the fall. So I'm pushing that work off to the fall. So I am not discounting work that I'm doing during my peak season, but I will discount work that I typically would discount anyway in the fall. You're probably going to do some type of marketing promotion uh, campaign or discount or trade-in allowance as well in the fall. Maybe some type of freebie that you give a customer, a free air cleaner or a free UV light or a free duct cleaning because they're willing to wait. Okay, Anything that you want to offer as a freebie uh, there. Now, I like what you could start doing now coming off of COVID if you will, is what I call the virus vanquisher. And so you can put together a package where you do duct cleaning, duct sanitization, duct sealing, UV light, um, as well as a, meaning for purification reasons, as well as an oxidizer. Something that puts the positive ions out into the air and kills things on the surfaces. And so we can vanquish the virus. Okay, why? Because people are coming out of this knowing that it's going to be lingering for some time and you might be able to include that as your freebie package, or just start marketing this this summer. Market your indoor air quality products and services if you, if you don't get busy. Odds are, in some cases, uh, in some areas of the country, it's not going to get super busy. It's not going to get super hot. Some companies get, you know, don't get super busy. You go into the Northeast, you, you know, they're basically a heating market uh, up, in, up into New England and the Pacific Northwest. They don't have much of a cooling season. So you may think about packaging and promoting indoor air quality products and services there. All right. So you also have to take a look at your job board. Your, when I say your job board, this is your install board, your dispatch board for your service techs, as well as your sales lead board for your salespeople. And realize that you've got to keep it fluid. It's a living, breathing thing. I said that a little while ago at the, um, when I was over in, the other, in front of the other camera, in that you've got to think about your board being alive and active. Just because somebody gets into a schedule slot does not mean they stay there. This is something that you've got to constantly be looking at. It, it's like, you're almost like a, uh, an air traffic controller. You, you've got to keep the planes all flying and then land them in a proper sequence in the proper order. And that's what this is uh, talking about here. Having a fluid job board, dispatch board, sales lead board to better serve the customers but also seize the opportunities. If I have a three-year-old air conditioning system that's down and it's a new customer to me and I have them on the schedule but all of a sudden and I put them on the schedule three days ago but all of a sudden here it is three days later and that company that call is coming up coming up for the company later in the day three o'clock but I get a customer who's got a 15 year old air conditioning with no cooling well where should I go the one that happens to be in the three o'clock slot or should I bump the non-customer take care of my customer. That's exactly what you should do and that's what that priority scheduling talked about doing is upgrading the schedule. So keep an eye keep an eye on the schedule board and 
constantly move the pieces around the board as you need to to best serve the customers. Again, your customers, ones that are service agreement, warranty customers, uh, as and install customers, and then take advantage of the opportunities. As they, uh, as a friend of mine said years ago, put the man on the money, as he said. Right? Job staging. So what is that? This is for installs. I want to make sure that the job is staged. I have to have somebody in the warehouse. I can hire somebody for the summer if need be. If I don't have a warehouse person, and I will make sure that the job is staged and ready to go. All the materials are pulled and ready to go. They just have to show up, load that onto a truck, and take it. Now I can use delivery personnel uh, to go do that and deliver all the stuff to the job so that the installers can go right to the job and start demoing the work. Uh, and then the, the equipment and materials will sh all show up. Or I can use runners. And so think of runners as maybe laborers a little bit. What they could do is they could go out there and remove the old equipment, prep the job site, and then the installers show up. Maybe the installers are out doing a service call or they're finishing up a job from the day before, but this job gets started and then the installers, the, the skilled craftsmen show up after these guys, uh, the runners, the laborers, uh, uninstall the existing machines and uh, prep the job. Maybe they get that old equipment out of there. Or at the very least, that's exactly what they do. They show up at a, a certain time. You know, with your phones nowadays and your text messaging and all the communication devices that you got, you can make your installer's life a lot easier by job staging, delivering the equipment, utilizing runners and laborers to kind of help them out a little bit. That way they don't have to you know, lug the old equipment back to the office for recycling purposes and so forth. There. So having somebody pick up, even if you just use them to pick up the trash towards the end of the day, that way the installers can go to the next job the next day. They don't have to come to the office and unload all the other stuff. Uh, and if you have to sub that piece of it out, then do that. There are plenty of guys that do recycling that would happily drop by a house to take the old equipment and, and, and all the scrap. So you can make a, an arrangement there. Just, again, thinking outside the box. In fact, why, why have a box? Just get creative with how you can reimagine the workflow within your business. Installers, okay? Well, my installers may be finishing jobs and might be willing to work some overtime. And on their way home, they can hit one or two service calls on their way home if they're willing to. And I will utilize my installers on the weekends to run service calls if there's no install. So if, you might, if you're not doing installs and you have some installers that are willing to put in a little bit of overtime, you, know, you can use them to do service work. Now they may not be able to do the advanced diagnostic stuff because they're more of the installer uh, uh, type, but you could have them handle any uh, airflow issues, you could have them handle condensate leaks, simpler jobs. And then obviously you have your skilled technicians for the more advanced work. So think about uh, utilizing the installers to help take the, the load off the service department as well. You could also consider expanding to a seven day work week. Now there's lots of ways to do that. You could do, do four 10 hour days, three 13s. You could just you know, hire people to, uh, to, you know, to run on those extra days. Uh, you, can, you can just find different ways to alloc you know, reallocate the workforce if you will, to, to work all seven days. And mix and match your crews, whatever you got to do, but think about expanding the seven days because you're not probably going to get all the work done in five, and you're definitely probably not going to get it done in six, so you may have to add that seventh day. If that's a pressure relief valve, at least for a week or two, I'm not saying you have to do this year round, but if it's a pressure relief valve for at least a week or two to take the load off, then that's what you do. Again, in business, your job as leadership is to always adapt adjust and execute to the needs of the people in the business. All right, but like I said here, you could do four 10-hour days. That, if some of the jobs tend to be 
maybe they're two maybe they're two days. They've been running into two days. But the only reason they've been running into two days is because the the install team is allotting you know taking a one and a half day job and letting it spill into uh, two full days. Well, if I gave them a, a couple extra hours or told them to work overtime, uh, you know, on these on these jobs, I might be able to get them done in one day, and that again frees me up for the next day. So think about expanding the work day as well. A couple other ideas, you might think about taking paid vacations and putting them on furlough or hold between May 15th and August 15th or whatever would be conducive dates for your marketplace. So at Cameron and Sons back in the 90s, we had no paid vacations between May 15th and August 15th. If you took it, you could take a vacation. You were basically kind of almost guilted into not, but like if you wanted to, you certainly could. We just weren't going to pay you for it. Your paid vacation was able, uh, you were able to take it any other time. Here's what we have to realize. We serve at the pleasure of the customer. We need to be available when the customer wants it. We all chose this profession. We all chose this industry. So we have to be able to serve when people need us. So you may think about that. Again, the other thing I would also think about is if anybody's taking vacation, you can't have two people from one department at the same time taking vacation. So reimagine how you again deploy the vacation time that you allow people to take. You also got to take care of the team uh, you know, there as well. So what do I mean by that? Well, visit the jobs. Go out and see the people on the jobs. You can't coach from the locker room and you can't show gratitude uh, over the phone or, or via text or via email. Not true gratitude. True gratitude is an actual looking of the eye, a handshake, an attaboy, saying thank you, I appreciate it. And the way you do that is show up, be present, visit your jobs. Maybe you take them some drinks or some popsicles or something like that and just say thank you uh, and see how they're doing, see if they need anything. Uh, make sure you have at your office. Don't make your guys go, go buy this stuff during the summer. Bottles of water and, and sports drinks. No sodas, no soft drinks that way. But like your Gatorade and your water, your electrolyte water, that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. And have ice. Have an ice maker in the office or in the warehouse that they can come in and fill, fill up their coolers and their jugs every day and make sure that there's purified water for them to fill up their jugs uh, every day. And don't be a, a drain on the plastic by providing plastic bottles, but give them fresh water to load up with. Uh, there are also some things out there that you could provide for cooling them off a little bit. There's cool vests that they can wear. There's cool rags that they can kind of put soak in water and put around their neck that kind of lower the temperature of the body a little bit. Fans, portable AC units. That, that way they can kind of be comfortable if they're working in a hot area of the house, such as an attic or a, a crawl or a garage or even the basement uh, there. Uniforms, and sh uh, uniform shorts and t-shirts. Certainly uh, we give t people t-shirts during the summer. But what I like to see is I like to see my, my technicians have, have their shirt on, have their button-down uniform shirt on, and then when they get to the job, they can take that off and they can work in the company t-shirt. Same with uniform shorts. I'm going to provide uniform shorts. I'm not going to allow people to wear their own cutoffs or cargo shorts or stuff like that. They're going to be uniform shorts because, again, the brand is important. The brand experience is important as well. You also want to reward your people for the extra time and efforts. So, so catch people doing things right. And acknowledge the people that are willing to put in the extended time and hours, as well as their effort. Again, they're making sacrifices in their own life, but they're also making sacrifices on behalf of their family because their family doesn't get to see them when they're working nights and weekends there. So you want to make sure that you acknowledge that. You know, a, a, a handwritten note you know, uh, you know, in, uh, to, a, to an installer in their like, mailbox bin or something like that, or uh, a, a nice, nicely timed text or email to a, to a person, or even a handwritten note home 
the significant other saying thank you for the sacrifices and letting Bill or Steve or Joe or Susan work the extra time necessary to serve our customers. It, it, it doesn't go unacknowledged that you're at home and not having uh, them at home. So I not only want to acknowledge the, the, uh, the employee, the co-worker, but I also want to acknowledge their family as well because that's important. If they're never seeing their significant other and it's not really acknowledged, then you know, that can create some clash at home. But when the uh, significant other at home knows that, the, you know, that their sacrifice is also acknowledged and appreciated, then they say, you know what, hey, I, I appreciate that the company took the time to think about me and my family in addition to my, my spouse who is working you know, all the time. Right? Passes. I like to give out some uh, passes or gift cards to do some family fun things so that when they do get off, they can go get some ice cream or go to parks or amusement parks. Uh, there's no sporting events right now, but hopefully we get them back sometime this summer. But you know, get to go to some games or some mini golf or to the movies. Get them, you know, give them some passes. Buy them and invest in your people. And just give it to them, again, as acknowledgement for their efforts. Let them have a little bit of fun. You can maybe even create some, uh, some team outings, if you will. Maybe do a, instead of just waiting for a company Christmas party at the end of the year, how about a company barbecue? So think about how to have some fun with this as well here. Manpower allocation, that's going to be the last uh, you know, thing I talked to you about. I've already talked to you about a little, bit, a little bit about that over here in the job staging, the delivery, utilization of runners or laborers, if you will. So again, that's part of the manpower allocation. But what I'm talking about is maybe splitting your crews. Taking the crews that you have already set up. Maybe you have two lead mechanics. Maybe you have a, a lead mechanic and a really qualified helper who's maybe ready to take that next step. Okay, but you could possibly split the crew, add some lesser qualified helpers, or maybe even think about utilizing a subcontractor to work with your, your lead mechanic. So now you actually have two very qualified people uh, you know, doing the work because you have a subcontractor who you give a t-shirt to who comes with your guy and rides along with your guy or at least shows up on the job and becomes that extra pair of hands. Now I've got two crews with some subs or some helpers versus having one crew which is just my people. You could also think about splitting the crew after they do the demo and the equipment. So what does that mean? So I may have my two people together out on the job, but by 10 a.m., let's say, they've got the old equipment uninstalled, they've got the new equipment in place, maybe the outdoor unit's out where it needs to be, the indoor uh, furnace or air handler it is where it needs to be, meaning the heavy lifting is done. And so I can maybe leave one person to finish that job. And if I've got a floater, maybe uh, an inexperienced helper or a sub, and I've got somebody who can float around and become an extra pair of hands, I can split the crew of qualified people and give them a helping hand. Because that's all it takes. Once the, the big heavy lifting is done, now my, uh, you know, the individual can just do the work on the job by themselves. Again, just trying to give you some creative ideas on how to you know, reimagine the way you deploy your team and your, uh, your, work, your workforce. You could also shift to doing one uh, uh, precision tune-up a year. So if you're overwhelmed and all of a sudden you got slammed and you didn't get your precision tune-ups done, think about changing your service agreements to offering heating and cooling tune-ups, but doing the heating and cooling tune-up at the exact same time. One tune-up a year. You've now just doubled your capacity to do that. And like I said, you're probably shelving the precision tune-ups at this point in time if you have to get to them, but I know it's going to weigh on you that you still have to get back to them. And some of your customers are going to be calling saying, hey, you know, I have a service agreement, you haven't gotten out to do my tune-up yet. Well, again, you're not probably going to solve that problem this year by doing this, but think about this for the fall, and maybe doing all your heating and cooling tune-ups in the fall, 
and then this way next year, you're ready to go in the spring. So think about that. You could also install what I call system monitoring. Uh, that's a Residio, uh, iManifold Pulse, and the uh, Emerson Sensi system. And these are uh, devices that you can install on your service customers' houses or on your new installations that actually monitors the performance of the system. And then you don't even need to do a tune-up once a year. What you'll come to find is that you need to only do a tune-up as needed. The system will tell you when it needs to be tuned up because of, it, of the performance, because you're monitoring temperatures and pressures and static pressure, so forth and so on there. So think about doing that. That would also free up. Again, you're not going to solve that problem this year, but you could start to maybe think about selling these on the, the, the systems that you're installing this summer and, again, solve this problem over time. One, one thing you have to realize is you probably didn't get into whatever situation you're going to experience this year. You probably didn't get into it overnight. You're probably not going to get out of it overnight, but you need to take, take a step. And that's what I'm, I'm kind of talking about here. You could also think about using a subcontractor as needed on lower tier work. So think about it this way. Maybe if they buy an entry level system, that gives you the capabilities as a company to use your personnel or use subcontractors. But if they go to uh, you know, a mid-level mid to upper level solution, they only get your people. So again, just creative thinking. You've got to adapt, adjust, and execute and deploy accordingly. But again, you may, it may be a solution, short-term solution. I, I, I wouldn't say it's a long-term fix. I wouldn't look to that. But um, it may be a short-term solution is to go ahead and deploy subcontractors on lower-tier work. So those are some of the ideas that hopefully will help you to avoid the rush, the flush, and the crush of summer. We don't want to avoid the rush. We want the rush. We love the rush. We love the flush. We just don't want to get the crush. And the way we manage avoiding the crush is going through these and reimagining the way we work. And again, these are just some ideas here. If you have a couple others, feel free to reach out and uh, shoot them by me. But what, what I would say to you is if, if these don't address the problem in your company, bring your people in. Have a meeting. Ask them, what could we do? No idea is too crazy. So get them all on the board and, and then synthesize a solution that's going to work for you and your team, your company, and your market. And I hope you experience the rush and the flush of summer and are rewarded greatly for it. Awesome content right there, as always, from our Seizing the Summer series. Now listen, if you like the content and you're not a member, you can get full access to the series right now. All you got to do is fill out the form on this page. This is powerful content that you can implement all summer long to maximize your profits and get ready for the dreaded slow season this fall. Well, that's it for today, folks. We'll see you again very soon. Until then, my friends, bye-bye for now.